0: today on CityCast Denver. We continue our conversation about the fate of the Park Hill golf course. Does it get redeveloped, or does it stay 155 acres of open space?
1: A lot of people have talked about the public health benefits of open space in parks. We don't deny that at all. We're gonna provide that. But we also understand the public health benefits of healthy food, of housing security, of economic opportunity.
0: On Friday, we heard from a longtime Park Hill resident fighting to save the open space. Today, you'll hear from the people who own the land, the developers, and they've got big plans, but they claim it's about more than money.
2: You know, we think community first. We think about the folks that are marginalized because we have been marginalized. I have been marginalized.
0: Today is Monday, May 17th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's take a look at the news. More gloomy weather coming our way with a high of just 60 and thunderstorms expected. After running Denver International Airport for more than half of its 26-year lifetime, CEO Kim Day is set to retire. In her tenure, she oversaw massive expansion projects that often came with their own criticism and controversy. Day also led DIA to become the fifth busiest airport in the country pre-pandemic. As for who will now oversee the airport's never-ending Great Hall project? Well, you're on your own for now, baby. But let's not focus too much on frustrating construction projects that never end. We have exciting sports news to talk about. The Colorado Avalanche ended its short 56-game season on a high note, winning 5-1 against the Los Angeles Kings. That win gave them the best record in the whole league. For the first time since 2001, the Avs are President's Trophy winners. Now on to the playoffs. Game one is tonight. You got this, dudes. There's a development war going on in Denver, and it all centers around one old golf course in Park Hill. Last week, I spoke to lawyer and former mayoral candidate, Penfield Tate, who wants to keep the 155 acres of open space. And it's not that he doesn't like the idea of bringing more businesses and housing to the neighborhood. It's just that he doesn't have a lot of faith in developers. I have watched this game before, Developers come and promise things on the front end, and then as time goes on, their plans and what they actually do almost never matches the promises made on the front end. Penfield was fighting against development with a community group called Save Open Space Denver, and now he's spearheading an effort to allow voters to decide what happens with the land. And the developers aren't too thrilled about that.
2: Back in college, many years ago, I was like a recording producer. This feels like the first time I ever created like a recording studio.
0: (laughs) The new first time.
2: (laughs) If you only saw all the wires that like almost blew our dorm room up.
0: Today, I sit down with the other side. The developers who have owned the Park Hill Golf Course since 2019. Norman Harris co-founded the Hollerin Group, which is a black real estate and development firm. And Kenneth Ho is a principal developer with Westside Investment Partners. Kenneth, how did you and Norman meet up or how did this partnership happen between your two, your two groups?
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting story. Uh, Norman and I have a a mutual friend and uh, we first met in the parking lot at Red Rocks at a Tribe Called Quest concert. back in 2017
2: the last track call quest concert just understand that there's there, there's there will be was. no more and so um i think history just put us there in an epic times sorry to interrupt that's, you Ken. no no that, that's that, a
0: that's a very colorado story too meeting was, at a concert at red rocks <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was and we we ended up crossing paths again when norman was receiving an award from the urban leadership foundation and having crossed paths that many times and knowing the work, um, that I was working on in Park Hill and and Norman's deep history there, as well as what my personal and Westside's overall objectives were, uh, for the Park Hill golf course. We, we saw alignment and started working together and talking about how we might be able to deepen that relationship. And, uh, you know, a year later, um, we're co-developers on this.
0: And Norman, what, What made you want to get involved with the Park Hill project? Because I mean, I would, I don't know if it'd be characterized as a controversial project, but there's definitely been a lot of conversation around the community about what's going on with the Park Hill golf course. So what made you want to um, work on this project with Kenneth?
2: So in terms of just my perspective, I've grown up right next to the golf course my entire life. While it has for some folks been an amenity Uh, my perspective isn't quite the same you know i never got the opportunity to golf there nor did any of my friends the only time that we had access to the golf course we were sneaking over there playing football or baseball games so to me it was the opportunity for us to bring so many folks to the table who've been marginalized over the last 40 or 50 years and i'm saying that over the last 40 50 years we have had a systematic divestment that has happened to northeast denver and it has disproportionately affected people of color and so one of my biggest qualms with this issue is that we have a group of folks who are physically distant from this golf course but not only physically distant they're not even there fighting for us on any other issue There are kids that are dying. We had one of the worst summers of violence ever last summer. So kids like me, instead of running and trying to find opportunities in our neighborhood, we run to gangs. We run and try to find drugs to sell. Because we want to be, you know, we want things just like everyone else. But what does our environment offer our youth? What does the environment offer our adults? What does it offer? And I don't see a person from SOS advocating for how we can help our children? They're advocating for 155 acres of open space. You tell me where that makes sense.
0: And sort of, that's my next question, kind of back to Kenneth. Is it sound, it what Norman is describing is really an underutilized amenity with right in the middle of Park Hill? Um, can you talk about what your group Westside is is planning or working on? What What do you want to happen there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what what Norman was talking about is what we recognized as, you know, yes, this project is controversial, but it's kind of good trouble in terms of what we're looking at, right? We need to to lean into a more equitable form of development in order to reverse the decades of disenfranchisement and disinvestment. Um, This community uh, clearly has a need for affordable housing, for access to fresh, healthy foods, job opportunities and economic investment in general. And the thing is, is that we can create that win-win with how large this piece of property is. And so we we've already committed to at least 60 acres of parkland and rather than talking about acreage, we actually want to talk about the uses that folks want. We are the only ones who are asking people what they want and listening to that truly to make sure that the plan is responsive to the individual context of this neighborhood. We've heard things like they need a grocery store, they want black owned businesses, they want a diverse housing mix, right? The details of that, though, is what's going to come out over the next months and years in the planning process.
0: So, in our last episode, we actually talked to Penfield Tate, who's spearheading an effort to put an initiative on the ballot this November that would allow the whole city to vote on the future of the golf course. Um, Kenneth, what's your take on that idea?
1: Yeah, we're really opposed to that uh, ballot initiative because we think it takes the voice away from the local community and the local neighborhood. If you look at the demographics of Northeast Park Hill and Clayton and and the, the area surrounding the golf course, it's very different than the demographics of the electorate for Denver. And we think that there's a huge equity issue in that. No other neighborhood in Denver is being asked to cede the control of their neighborhood to the entire city. And the, the basis of this ballot initiative is coming from people who we think are just coming from a, a place of privilege.
0: And Norman, so Penfield's coming from the community perspective, as you are. I mean, you're both individuals in this community. What is your take on this idea of the ballot measure?
2: You know, I echo Kenneth's thoughts that if this were an issue that, you know, were affecting, say, Cherry Creek or Pearl Street. That there would be an uproar in surrounding communities if um, folks of Northeast Park Hill had any type of say in that matter. But I question Penfield's understanding of what the true needs are of folks in Northeast Park Hill. He's uh, who I've, you know, holding high regards for his accomplishments, but doesn't mean that he understands the plight of folks who grew up in the summer of violence. Doesn't mean he understands the plight of a single mother who isn't educated and who doesn't have good transportation and an education that can support them. What I bring and what Holleran brings to the table is that perspective. Those are the folks that, those are who, that's who we are. You know, there's no separation.
0: Sure, sure. Kenneth, why is it important for Park Hill, and I I mean, really for the whole city, when we're looking at our city's growth, to develop a golf course into something other than an open space?
1: You know, my background is in urban planning and development, and my entire career has been trying to bring those two things together to really manage growth sustainably. And I know that there's, Denver's gone through a lot of changes over the last dec- you know, several decades, and it's been very fast. But the fact of the matter is, is that right now, the number one contributor to greenhouse gases is transportation. The golf course sits directly adjacent to the 40th and Colorado A-Line station and high-frequency bus routes along Colorado Boulevard. This is a prime location for transit-oriented development. Right? And the number, while transportation is the number one contributor of greenhouse gases, it's also the number two cost, household cost behind housing. We also know that we have a housing crisis in this city, and it's because we don't have enough of it right now. In order to grow sustainably, we need to figure out solutions for diverse housing choices close to transit. And so, again, if we can actually take this land and build a large park create amenities and services for the residents and put a diverse housing mix next to transit, we're actually creating a sustainable neighborhood. You can have access to jobs without a car and you can have affordability and diversity that'll lift the neighborhood up rather than doom it to a a car dominated future. And so we really think that um, our alternative actually is the environmental, environmentally responsible one and a more equitable one, right? Um, to Norman's point, a lot of people have talked about the public health benefits of open space and parks. We don't deny that at all. We're gonna provide that. But we also understand the public health benefits of healthy food, of housing security, of economic opportunity. And that's what we're saying. We can bring all of that together Rather than only addressing one need,
0: you and Norman have both brought up food access issues in the community and um, the possibility of a grocery store going into this development has come up several times. I actually worked in urban planning for several years and I know um, getting a grocer to open a new store is one of the most difficult things to do. And Penfield has suggested that to ask if you have a signed letter of an intent from a chain to open one, or what your plan is really to, to do that food access component for this community?
1: Sure. You know, one of the things we, we recognize that we need to develop people before we develop places, the, the golf course um, not only hasn't contributed, in some ways it's blocked things like uh the things that could have helped in terms of the food desert right because if you're looking at the challenges of having a grocery store you need to have rooftops you need to have people you need to have customers that's why we have to come up with a comprehensive solution that actually addresses both rooftops through diverse housing options and food solutions right and so that's why actually the solution that you know, and the skepticism that uh, Penfield tries to put out there, he's actually contributing to what's blocking um, food solutions from coming to that neighborhood.
0: My final question is sort of, it's, I don't know if there's a way to do this, but when we talk about developments like this, there's what we talk about at the very beginning, our grandiose plans, and then there's what we get in the final result. What, what are the ways that the community can hold you all accountable to this project being truly what you both are saying it's going to be, or you want it, you dream it to be.
1: You know, we just actually signed a development agreement with the city um, for Loretto Heights campus. And I welcome people to, to look at that agreement and see the level of detail in it. It addresses all of those commitments that the city is going to, it's a legally binding agreement that will hold us accountable to our affordable housing goals, all of the other community benefits, infrastructure, uh, zoning, all of those sorts of things are embedded in that agreement. It's way too early now because we don't actually have that shared vision developed yet. So what are we going to be writing to, right? We need to develop that shared vision first, and then we'll document it in legally binding agreements. But, you know, I understand the overall sentiment. Trust isn't given, it needs to be earned. And that's what Norman and I are going to be doing um, and have been doing. For the last, you know, months and, and years,
2: to develop the trust and and build that
1: within the community by by being consistent.
0: And Norman, how about you?
2: I sincerely, you know, say this that my our, my life has been dedicated to making my the world around me better. The Hollering Group's values are based on assuring that we get better outcomes for um, all those involved, and so you know, we think community first. We think about the folks that are marginalized, because we have been marginalized. I have been marginalized. Where was someone looking out for Norman when Norman needed help? It just wasn't there. We are going to get this right. There's no, there's no other alternative.
0: Thank you both for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks so much, Bree. Really appreciate it.
0: After my conversation with Penfield last week, and the one with Norman and Kenneth that you just heard, I still don't know how I feel about the site of the Park Hill Golf Course. But I do know a little bit about how these politicians and developers talk, and what they mean when they say nice things about equity, the climate, and the character of neighborhoods. I'm still not sure what Kenneth's answer meant about the likelihood of opening a grocery store in that area, and I'm not sure if Penfield is wrong in being skeptical about their plans. But I do know that more housing, transit options, and food access would be amazing for our community. I also know that no matter what you think about this issue, there are tons of ways to get involved. The city steering committee leading the Park Hill golf course reimagining process is meeting tomorrow night. The public is invited to make comments, so we're going to put a link to that in our show notes. We'll also have a bunch of other links in there of ways to get involved so you can make up your own mind. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our mighty morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Is there a better word than dreary? I just hate saying it. I.